Hello, Gregor. Hi, Edgar. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. So, in our podcast today, what are we talking about? So, today we're going to talk about five different things. The first thing will be how psychoanalysts do necessarily bring where they come from into the analysis. Mm -hmm. The second point will be working with people who come from different countries with different knowledge of the analytic process. For instance, how is it for me to work with French patients and to work with American patients? To generalize, of course. Mm -hmm. Then the third point would be how we are always in the process of exclusion and inclusion. And the last two points will be about the difficulty of the U.S. society to deal with conflict. And finally, the question of the religion and the space of certainty. Mm -hmm. well, it sounds like a very diverse array of different social identities or locations. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start our presentation on discussions and psychoanalysis. Let's do that. Okay. My name is Grégoire Pierre. And this is Edgar Francisco Danielson. Welcome to Discussions on Psychoanalysis. about how psychoanalysis only exists in a given society, maybe we could right away clear out the fact that psychoanalysts also exist in society. We are social beings. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to communicate is that we as psychoanalysts, we're grounded in the reality of the social, not only where we live right now, also how we grew up and where we grew up and the customs and social milieu that created in part who we are. It's actually something that we learn to take into consideration. That's uh, partially why we are supposed to go uh, in analysis, not just to deal with our internal conflicts, but also to have a better understanding of where we speak from. Mm -hmm. Our subjectivity is informed partially by the social we carry. It's not just about out of the blue internal conflicts. The internal conflicts will be informed by the society that we carry within us. And not only uh, our inner world and the conflicts are informed by our society, but also the kind of symptoms and struggles our patients bring to session are partially informed by the social milieu in which they live and work and relate. Like, for instance, I um, see a lot of people who are not American And they often talk about how American society, and more specifically society in New York, is actually triggering them in one way or another. Like recently I had someone who talked about how friendship is mm -hmm. experienced in a very different way in France and in the U.S. That's an interesting point. They experience friendship as different in the United States. What I hear a lot is that in America, if you don't confirm until the last second, mm -hmm it means that you're not going to attend an event. Mm -hmm. In France, you will decide on a time and day with someone, and that's mm -hmm. it. It is confirmed at that moment. Correct. And it is very eerie for a lot of French people mm -hmm. or foreigners talk about how they would expect people, once they gave their words, 
mm-hmm. that they would go for it. Mm-hmm. And how surprising to them it is that the need to keep confirming, because the default understanding is that if you don't confirm, you don't come. I see. In terms of the people I work with who are not Americans, or if they are, they are people of colors, or their social is informed by other cultures, one of the things that, that's different is the understanding of time, which creates a certain dynamics within the session, because we try to structure sessions at 45 minutes, for mm-hmm. example, on a certain day, a certain time. And in, in other cultures outside the American white culture, there is a different sense of time so what others may consider coming in late means i'm just on time that's something that needs to be explored in the context of the analysis what i mean is this is coming late every time we have the session a sign of aggression against the analyst or the therapeutic process or is something else yes We will eventually um, go back to the question of is it a white or non-white? Is this a good criteria? Because mm-hmm. I think there's something very concrete. And in this sense, maybe more the dominant culture. Yeah. Maybe in some ways it might not be an act of aggression, but an act of differentiation. Correct. And that needs to be explored. Yeah. So I would not assume that a patient who comes in late always is expressing some kind of aggression against me or is resisting the treatment. I would not assume that. And therefore the danger of wild analysis. Mm-hmm. Because if you only as an analyst try to analyze and believe it's very serious, someone without knowing them Yes. And only from, uh, you, you know them only because they are public figures, you actually don't have access to their internal world, internal references. Yes. And it, what could be perceived as one thing could actually not be that thing. Yeah. You can assume as much as you want. It's always a danger in trying to diagnose someone who is not under treatment with yeah. you. Exactly. So when you do, you should always keep in mind that, well, you keep a, how to say, like a, a percentage of error. A huge one, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about patients coming from different places or actually different backgrounds, because it can just be people from the same country. People don't expect the same thing from therapy. When I started practicing in the U.S., I was struck by how much I would have to spend a lot of time explaining to American patients what psychoanalysis was about, mm-hmm. while as soon as I would see a French patient, the psychoanalysis was understood. I'm not saying people had a clear knowledge about Freud theory and whatever is at stake in psychoanalysis and um, different kind of psychoanalysis, etc., but they would know that they would come here, they would come to talk, that there is such a thing as the hypothesis of the unconscious, that in some ways they have conflict. It's an accepted idea. Mm-hmm. While with American patients, I those might be my own bias, but I would often feel like it wasn't so clear that they were not coming for a CBT-like therapy, yes. where I would be the teacher, uh, correct their point of view, mm-hmm. which, I mean, the irony is that I, I would start by correcting their point of view by telling them that psychoanalysis is not about that. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> one, one exception <laughs> to the principle. Yes. Uh, and um, yeah, I would have to really make sure that we are in an agreement that this is not about me giving them homework, etc. Some people felt actually extremely relieved by that mm-hmm. and others felt like I was just a waste of time. 
it's another example of how psychoanalysts have to include the influence of the society they live in because mm -hmm. you can't expect the treatment to be the same. On a parallel note, what brings a person to therapy, let's say in general therapy, it's also informed by the culture the person grew up. It's not uncommon to hear from Latino and Latina individuals that they are not crazy and therefore they don't have to come to therapy. While sometimes I just say that's why we come to therapy because we don't want to get crazy. Mm -hmm. So there is a different understanding and a resistance or reluctance. People are reluctant to come to therapy in certain communities because they associate coming to therapy as being crazy. And maybe more specifically that the group they live in associates going to therapy to being crazy mm -hmm. and that they are dependent of the group or they carry the group with them. They carry the group to the therapy room. That's yeah. what you mean, yes. I'm mentioning that because it comes along with the idea that certain societies are going to be more open to fast change or more open to slow change. When you meet someone in your office, you have to hear that when they come with the pressure that they should come fast, mm -hmm. as you said before, with being late, what comes from them, what comes from the society, that is to be discovered. You can't just assume directly. I think what you're saying is that if a patient comes in and says, I want results in three months, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, that that's also informed by the w society in which they live, not only about an inner conflict. Yes, or that the inner conflict will be emphasized by what they experience from the society. society. Of course, you could say to that, that what they experience from the society is informed by who they are, which is true. But yet, they are still inside an environment that will push toward one direction and not the other. Mm -hmm. It would make patients insane to only leave them with their internal dynamics. Yes. You mentioned a germophobe. Someone who is afraid of germs mm -hmm. becomes kind of obsessed about the possibility or the potential to be infected. That's not only an intrapsychic conflict. It's reality that New York City is dirty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quite dirty. So in what ways that plays into the dynamics of a person that needs to be explored and expanded? Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that people will not consider social dimension, especially because we do take into consideration a social dynamic that we don't even perceive as such. We always ask patients about their family. Yes. And why would it be legitimate to think, let's take a very caricatural example. This person is obsessive because the father is obsessive and he's identified with his father. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's social. Even this caricatural and somewhat absurd example illustrates how it's not just about internal conflicts by themselves. Mm -hmm. It will be about the family first, and it will be about the school, it will be about the company they work in, the college they went to, etc. If you don't hear that, if you're not interested in where this person went to high school, to college, what was the dynamic there, how were the professors, this is social. And yet we forget that it is, and we treat our patients as if they are in a bubble. Yeah. Well, I hope we don't do that. <laughs> But we may sometimes treat them as if they were in a bubble. It's good to remind ourselves of the cultural and social. Yeah, we're going to the idea that certain part of the sense of identity 
is attached to social representations. Like the feeling that we have to belong to a certain group that shares certain values. It is an illusion, a constructive illusion though, and it tends to create some kind of homogenization, leading to feeling of control over the environment, which is something very important. Let's give an example. If you think, um, I am from this group, and in this group we have those values, and in that way, maybe you wouldn't necessarily have those values. It gives you a sense of cohesion. I think we can have that with uh, ethnic groups if we talk about it this way. But we can also have that with friends. Like you go to mm-hmm. one group of friends and you feel like your values are going to be such. Mm-hmm. Go- you're going to express one side of your personality. And if you go to another group of friends, you're going to express another side. Mm-hmm. The problem is when those identifications become rigidified. Like, I am this, and therefore, I only allow myself to experience those. Mm -hmm. And as psychoanalysts, we have to hear that, to respect it, Mm -hmm. and to help patients deconstruct it when possible. But if you don't hear the importance of belonging to a group and how reassuring it can be, you will fail at understanding some of the resistances to change. The opposite is also true. I guess sometimes people want to experience the freedom of not being like the social groups from where they're coming from. And I go back to the example I gave about people thinking that those who go to therapy are crazy. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that during the first, second sessions in consultation with someone new, what I hear is they're asking me if it's okay to be different. If it's okay to come to therapy, and that is fine. Mm-hmm. In a way, what they are asking me is to receive some comfort that they are different, that they want to do something that is different from the social constructs they come from. Yes. As you were talking about people who need to feel like they don't belong, my sense is we probably always feel like we belong somewhere. We might belong in the exclusion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it, it creates the same thing. I think it offers the same advantages to a subject meaning it creates some sense of containment. You create a world in which there is some kind of order, an order you escape or you extract yourself from, yes. but at least it creates yeah. a dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like inclusion, exclusion, they're yeah. not always so separate. So when you exclude yourself or when you are excluded from some place, you are also included somewhere else. And so people who feel like uh, would come and with the need to be out, to be different, I think we could still somewhat hear it as the same need for a world that they can understand, in which they can feel safe. Yes. And perhaps the beginning of a world could be the therapeutic journey, the therapeutic process. Well, I think that's the social part, is that Mm -hmm. probably for anybody who comes to therapy, the link they are going to create with the analyst is going to be a very important element of them being able to connect with themselves and with others. And with others, yes. And that leads us to uh, that in some ways we have to keep in mind as analysts that we might actually push people out and we might actually leave people more isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one of the irony of the process sometimes, is that people come because they feel lonely, but they might end up alone. They might not end up feeling lonely, because feeling lonely doesn't mean you're alone. Correct. But how psychoanalysis will help you become more of an original human being, a unique subject, mm-hmm. 
might isolate yourself because you surrounded yourself with people who enjoy your symptoms. Mm. In some ways, we always have to keep in mind that psychoanalysis is antisocial, that we are with our patient producing people who will be antisocial in the sense that they will question the, the society, they will question the norms. I mean, one of the end games is for our patients, as I said before, to feel free. And I would add that in the process, they may create a different circle around them. Yes, that's the hope we have, yes. that they will find people... Uh, a relational circle that is different, but still, the but process will mean means that there is a, lo a loss at some point. And when they don't, it is um, uh, pretty difficult. What comes to mind is that the working through, as we say in psychoanalysis, is also a mourning process. We leave behind something. It's we, we have to go through the mourning process. Something has been lost in order for oneself to be found. Talking about the U.S. society specifically, it feels to me, from the practice I have so far, that the U.S. society has a specifically difficult time with conflicts. Let's pause for a moment and try to unpack the word conflict. Are we talking about intrapsychic conflict or, or are we talking about relational and societal conflict? I had in mind societal and relational conflicts, but yes. I think it's an interesting idea to expand that to internal conflicts. Mm -hmm. My sense would be that in somewhat Lacanian terms is that in violence... There is no other. And violence needs to crisis and to envy. Envy in a Kleinian understanding. The drive is just free. While with aggression, there is an other that is recognized as such. And aggression will lead to conflict and to jealousy. The drive has an object that it can target. And it is striking to me to see how more than they were in France. Not saying that there's no problem like that in France at all, it would be completely untrue. But it felt to me that the American society emphasizes a difficulty to be legitimate to address a drive to someone. You have to pretend that you're not angry, ever. You have to pretend that everything is fine. As soon as you want to talk to someone about a discontent, about something that you want to change, it is very easy for the person you are targeting to say and to feel legitimate to saying that you are the problem, that you should not have conflict, neither relational nor intrapsychic conflicts. And it's striking in the sense that what we see is actually that it leads to violence with the definition I'm using, meaning what people will define as, I mean, that's how I see it, passive-aggressive in the sense that the aggression is not targeted, and it's no more aggression, it's just violence. Passive-aggressive doesn't lead to any discussion. That's where it's actually not aggressive, in the sense I'm using the term aggressive. It's violent because the person that will receive it won't have any legitimate way to bring it to the table. And I feel like this is something patients bring a lot here. Mm -hmm. They can't talk. And it also is something that I found sometimes difficult, is that psychoanalysis is all about conflicts. In my practice, I'm sometimes I confront patients. I try to illustrate their own conflict, how they're going one way and the other at the same time. 
For French people who come here, they often talk about the difficulty to have a dialogue, especially within their company, but also with potential friends, because every time they express some discontent, mm -hmm. they will be experienced as a joy killer, or I don't know exactly how to put it in English. You know, the person who's going to complain about everything and yeah, uh, break the mood. Any thoughts? just want to address a couple of things. I think we have different definitions of violence and aggression. We agree in terms of how psychoanalysis is in part the working through conflict and the resolution of some of those conflicts intrapsychic and also how that manifests in society. In terms of what you were saying about passive-aggressive, my experience has been also that in the American culture, at least the patients I see, more American, they tend to talk a lot about passive-aggressive. Do you feel like there's a difference between when you were living in Puerto Rico? Well, we tend to be more direct in terms of how we express our anger. And it, people can tolerate that. It gets to the point of almost being a, a trait of society. We are dramatic. That's what people may say, would say. Mm -hmm. And what they consider dramatic is that we are very expressive in different ways. It's not only expression of aggression, but it's expression of other drives. So in that sense, being passive-aggressive is not that common. Lately, I observed an increase in, in what people call being passive-aggressive, which is a very convoluted way of attacking the other. Without really without saying the attack has, I, has been done. Without saying I'm attacking you yeah. and you're, I hate you or whatever. So I have seen an increase in how people talk in those ways in Puerto Rico. But again, it's, uh, my experience is limited because I'm talking about people who are close, friends or family, so on and so forth. Now, in terms of what I was saying, Puerto Ricans tend to be more open expressing pain, for example, loss and anger. But it tends to go overboard, almost histrionic, as some people may say. Also. As a reminder, we are practicing uh, in New York. Correct. So if anyone in our listeners uh, experienced uh, in America or in different country uh, this kind of thing, we would be uh, really happy to um, hear about that in the comments for the follow-up podcast. Absolutely. And another important thing organizes the American society, at least in New York, is a sense of urgency. And the urgency is fighting against the analytic process. It's not just that people have to go fast. It's also that urgency is preventing or is going against the working through. And that is striking to me. Well, I call that the microwave society. What I mean by that is that we have this sense that if we put something in the microwave, it won't take too long. It would be fast. In one, two, three minutes, we have what we want. Mm. My guess is that sometimes we think that the psychoanalytic process is similar to a microwave process. We want to go faster and get results, evidence-based results. That's mm -hmm. another subject, but um, definitely I think it's part of what I see in American culture. And in addition to that, it feels to me that urgency will lead to more acting out. Well, in fact, what happens is that if we are not in touch with the inner conflicts, we will act in ways that relieve anxiety without thinking through what are the emotional components of the process. And the American society seems to make it very legitimate to do so. Well, some people might say that, oh, that's leadership. Yeah, in, in some being proactive. Being proactive. 
the taking the lead, pushing forward, all of those phrases I've heard, all of that be might be construed as acting out. But be a specific kind of leader. Yes. A leader that wouldn't think through. A leader that would be always on the go. On the go. Because you could, you could certainly be a leader yeah. in a very quiet and thoughtful way. Correct. But it's not the kind of leader we're talking about. No. And just to add a gender touch to this, usually the same actions performed by a male or a female for the male will be, that's a great leader for the female would be, she is a difficult woman. Because yeah. the violence is uh, tolerated exactly. among men. So more the than aggression is perceived as positive or productive in the case of men and not in the case of women. Yes, women and also all different minorities. And I think we should also keep in mind how even people who are experienced or thought of part of the dominant class will be also cumbersome by the norms. Just to point out that as analysts, we should keep our ears in mind. The obvious is not so obvious. The question of gender is certainly something we hear all the time. And it's important to keep in mind that a woman will come with different flavor of the same conflicts. The same conflicts. And it, we will need to be very careful in the way we listen and not rush into this is just her. And to actually hear how there is this invisible ceiling that sometimes women or people who are not among the legitimate majority will face and that won't be talked about. It will be actually passive aggressive. It will create violence because there will be no way to address the aggression, no way to address the conflict. It will be mute. People like that will be referred to as crazy. What are they complaining about? Uh, American society is land of the free. You, uh, everybody has the same opportunities, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. This is kind of BS. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and I think it's important for psychoanalysts to hear that it is BS, to hear that the reality of the society is much more complex and how the dream version of what the American society should be actually goes in the way of people's psychic equilibrium, that they might feel crazy because they are sold a product that actually does not exist and that their complaint becomes mm -hmm. illegitimate. And it also makes people's attack on them legitimate because, of course, everything is supposed to be uh, wonderful. Well, it's probably not the case uh, as much uh, 15 to 10 years ago, but today people are more in touch with the fact that the American dream is basically over. And I would say that in France, what I experienced is that people will talk about French people and even among French people, they will refer to themselves as such, often complaining, often not so happy. But the good thing from a nanoity point of view is that you will face people who dream that it should be different. They will think that the society is not nurturing them as much as it should. Mm -hmm. They won't think that... The society is great, and so if there's a problem, it's their fault. Or sometimes it goes a little too far mm. uh, in one direction or another. But you have some kind of allowed scepticism, allowed space for complaints, for disenchantment that we don't find as much, I think, in our practice in New York. And from a different perspective, in terms of the countries that have experienced colonization, Puerto Rico being one of them, The idea of this is what it is and we cannot fight against it. It's part of the society's psyche. Resignation? 
I wouldn't call it resignation as much as it is a way of coping with frustration and with anger. So it becomes an oh. instrument of the colonizer to control, not the culture, but the people in a certain culture. It brings up the question of religion. It is also interesting for people who work in the U.S. and uh, in, I mean, I guess, in different countries to hear how the prevalence of religion, how it influences people. And we will go back to that on a later podcast, actually, maybe I think the next one. I think in France, religion has been, in some ways, really not completely, I don't think it can completely be digested, but it has been in some ways digested, probably more than in the U.S., Again, like everything that we've been talking about so far, it's subtle, but the reference to the divine is not as prevalent. There is a space where there will be no doubt. But so this question of a space where there will be where everything will be answered, I think influences a lot society. Yeah, and because so, it's a different yeah. society to have a space where you can think that somewhere someone knows than a society where this space is actually given up on. In a very simplistic way, from my perspective, religion is an instrument of oppression and control. So what was your job before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm experiencing a psychical break. Well, uh, yes, I know, yeah, but not every religious person <laughs> is the same, or they look the same, Indeed. or behave the same, or believe the same. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. Okay, well, I guess this is it for today. It is. We appreciate our audience listening to us. Of course, you can always reach us through many of our social media interactions. Facebook. Twitter. SoundCloud. Email. Directly to discussions on psychoanalysis at pm.me. All connected. We look forward to listening from you and for your comments and questions and also expanding on what we have talked about today. See you soon. See you. Bye-bye.